message is part of the media ministry of Cornerstone Church. You can listen to this and other messages on our website at www.corner-stone.org or by subscribing to our podcast. Today's teaching is by Pastor Daryl Ruin. Amen. The reason he's God alone is because the rest of us are shakable and changeable, stoppable. Um, I don't know about you, but it, uh, it's become extremely evident to me that I am in my flesh broken. I, my, my body, this, this leftover earth suit that I have that my spirit resides in, my born-again spirit is housed in this, uh, in this broken thing. And it's weak, changeable, shakable, stoppable, uh, feeble. It, uh, it doesn't want to move forward sometimes. We're in 1 John, and we are going to push forward in 1 John chapter 1. We're going to be in verse 5 through 10 this morning. Let me tell you where we've been. We started 1 John just before Mother's Day. We got two messages into it, got to Mother's Day, and uh, this is our first one back since. Let me tell you where we've been. In the first message, I, uh, I tried to put you in the place of the original readers. We, we turned the lights out. We, we turned an oil lantern on. We pretended that we were in the dark room where those first century Christians would have been waiting to get this word from the last remaining apostle who walked with Jesus. And we got the letter and we wanted to read it. And unlike we do in most church services, we, we read more than just two or three verses because that's all we could bear, right? We, we sat through the reading of the whole thing as if John were writing the letter to us. And I know that's a little difficult for us, but we made it through, right? The lantern started to burn out. We put on the headlamp. We made it. Um, we, we wanted to get a, a full grasp on what the letter would be. We wanted to get a full understanding of what it would be like to be those first century readers, an appreciation for where they were, their hunger for truth. The next message I gave you, I gave you John's opening statement to the letter, and it's like no other opening statement in any other letter of your New Testament, especially there were... No greetings, you remember. And that's pretty uncommon for most of the New Testament. Most of the New Testament, you get, you get a list of people who he greets. You get a list of people at the end. And, and they spend some time ramping up into whatever the topic's going to be. But John doesn't do that. John starts at the top of Mount Everest of theology with the eternal becoming flesh and dwelling among us. And we got to see him and touch him and hold him and feel him and hear him and listen to him and learn from him and walk with him. That's the God John knew, and John says, I- I'm going to tell you about that God. And right from the beginning, he establishes some truth that everything else he's going to say is based upon. Namely, that the eternal became flesh and dwelt among us. You see, the argument that John has to combat here as he writes this letter is the prevalent uh, error of his day and it, and it continues on and it just kind of has a new evolution to it every 20 years or so we just kind of wrap it up differently but it just keeps coming back there's nothing new under the sun and so error even comes back every 20 years or so in just this new wrapper this new presentation and so it, it's not an error that we don't have to deal with and we won't have to deal with in the future there were those who said hey yeah this jesus saying that was all cool and all but the fact that you're saying that he was God in the flesh, we've got a little bit of a problem with that because 
essentially we know what it is to live in the flesh and we don't do very well living in the flesh and we like to do things that don't seem very godly or spiritual with our flesh. And so to say that God came down and he was human in the flesh, 100% human, even though he was 100% God, that doesn't really fit with us because we, we really can't see how that works because we understand the evil that's in our flesh. And so for you to say that, that God was flesh, we just can't handle that. And so what they did was they pulled the humanity out of partnership with the deity. And they said, we, we'll buy into the deity thing, right? Which sounds pretty good, right? I mean, it's, it's kind of some of the truth, and it's a big part of the truth, that God was here? Cool. I'm, I, I mean, they bought that part. But what they didn't buy was they, they removed the humanity. They said that God could come. He could be here in the spirit, come maybe this, this kind of spiritual figure, and he almost looks human. But the truth is, no, he, he wasn't actually physically human. And John says, no, I, I, I was here with him and I touched him. I felt him. I talked to him. I heard him. I walked with him. We saw him. The truth that we've been saying to you, it's, it's, from, that, it's from that experience where we walked with him. You remember in that, in that second message, I used as the closing illustration uh, the movie 12 Years a Slave. And, and, and one of the wonderful things that that movie did was it, is that it, it helped show how the humanity was removed from those who were bound into slavery. And so that the owners could do anything they wanted with their slaves, they didn't view them as humans, they viewed them simply as property. And you remember I said that in a similar way, what we can possibly do with Jesus and His humanity is remove the humanity, therefore then we can do with Him whatever we please. And if we want to obey this Instruction of his, we can. But if we don't want to obey this instruction of his, we don't have to. You see, what happens is when, when, when you don't have a Jesus who's human, then he doesn't have the impact on our humanity that he needs to have. But as I quoted to you in that last message, what John Piper said is that if, if, if he was here in the flesh, then, then in, if he was who he says he is, God in the flesh, then guess what? He gets to call all the shots. And you have to do exactly what he says. And that's a problem, right? Because we like to be Lord of the Ring. We like to be captain of our journey. We like to call our own shots. And so you would have those, and John would write to correct those who would remove the humanity of Jesus Christ so that in their humanity they could get away with whatever they wanted to get away with. And they were doing that. They were doing that. In those opening verses, we established a few things right off the bat as John started at the top of the mountain. He wanted us to know that Jesus was eternal. He wanted us to know that Jesus came in the flesh. He wanted us to know that Jesus coming in the flesh brings fellowship with the Father. He wanted us also to know that Jesus coming in the flesh makes human fellowship a real possibility. And conversely, outside of Jesus coming in the flesh, there is no, there is no real human fellowship possible. And then the last thing that we saw in that opening paragraph was that fellowship with and through Jesus and other believers brings for us all a joy, a joy that's unreachable outside of Jesus Christ coming in the flesh. Now, here's what he's going to do next. Having established that and having started on top of the mountain, saying that the most important thing that I can tell you is that Jesus was actually here in the flesh. You can't pull that out of the story, because if you do, everything else falls apart. 
the puzzle breaks down. The pieces don't fit. If you, if you do that, you miss it all. So he establishes that, that Jesus was here in the flesh. We saw him, we walked with him, we touched him, we heard him, we learned from him. We were with him. That's why we're teaching you what we're teaching you. Having established that, now he's going to start telling you who this Jesus was and what he taught. Because he was here in the flesh. And that means he gets to call all the shots. That means we do have to listen to him. And so in the next verse, verse 5, he's going to lay the foundation for what will be, uh, you might be able to think of it in this way, his analogy for Jesus and for the Father that will be the groundwork for the rest of the argument, for the rest of the letter that he's going to write. And here's what he says. Verse 5, this is the message we have heard from him and announced to you that God is, what's the word? Light. And in him there is no darkness at all. So that's the groundwork. That's the foundation that he's going to unpack. That's really the illustration that he's going to unpack everything else from. It's not a specific thing that he says about God. I want you to notice this. He says the most broad thing he could say about Jesus and about the Father that he could possibly say. He's not being very specific. He's being intentionally very broad in this definition, in this description of who God is, what his character is like. He is, he is light. And in him there is no, no darkness at all. We'll unpack that more in a little bit. In the next two verses, he's going to give in a negative and in a positive some application to that truth. Listen to what he says. Here's the negative first. If we say that we have fellowship with him, the one who is light, and yet we walk in darkness, we, we lie. Um, John, maybe you could have said it a little, you know, a little softer. Maybe you could have, maybe you could have you know, given it to us a little easier. But he doesn't. Very straightforward. If we say that we have fellowship with him, who he just called light, and yet we walk in the dark, then we lie. In other words, he says we do not practice the truth. It's as if to say that in the light there is truth. In the darkness, there's not truth. In the darkness, there's lies. Jesus and the Father are, in John's mind, the light i.e. they are truth. Anything outside of the light is not truth, it's false, it is error, it is a lie. Who's the author of every lie? It's not God. Just as it said, as God is light, Satan is author of every lie. He's a liar and deceiver and a murderer from the very beginning. So you see that very clearly in John's, in John's heart and mind, he knows who his God is. But what he's going to try and do here with this letter is help those who have who have uh, mixed in some truth with a little bit of lie and, and, and made everything gray and none of it black and white, he's going to start to draw some very definite lines in the sand. So, negatively, the application is, if God is light and you walk in darkness and you think you're in the light, then you're just fooling yourself. It's a lie. It's a lie. And that's, that's not of God. Positively, if you walk in the light, verse 7, as he himself is in the light, so he's not only the light, but he is in the light, we then have fellowship with, notice that it says not just fellowship with him. That would be the, the natural ending to that sentence, wouldn't it? The natural ending of that phrase is that if you're walking in the light, then you have fellowship with him. But he doesn't just say that. I think that's inferred, but he goes even further than that and says, 
we have fellowship with one another. Right from the beginning, as we saw in our last message here in John, is that this fellowship is very important to John. It's as if he's saying to all the church who remains that are listening to this final apostle speak, the last one who's alive that walked with Jesus, he's saying, listen, if we're going to do this thing together, if 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 we're going to get behind this Jesus movement, and we're really going to be the Christians that, that are according to who Jesus was, then guess what? We, we've got to find some common ground here. Fellowship cannot happen outside of Jesus being fully God and fully man. So there is no fellowship in the darkness. If you walk in the light as he himself is in the light, then we will have fellowship with one another. See, we can't be divided on some of these crucial areas. These are foundational pieces. You can't just pull out the humanity of Jesus and then we we can continue on. It doesn't work that way. He himself is in the light and we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. So in this application, you should start to have some questions. Let's just be honest. You should start to have some, some questions for yourself. I mean, hopefully you're wondering, well, am I in the light or am I in the... Am I in the darkness? I mean, some of you can think of some of the places you were just this week and you're kind of wondering to yourself, I wonder if I qualify in God's eyes as being in light or in dark, right? Because some of you might have been in some dark places. Anybody want to raise a hand? No? Okay, I will. So you got to be asking yourself, well, man, uh, I wonder how much uh, time I needed to have spent in the light this week to have qualified to be in verse 7 or... How much darkness could I have leaned over into that, that I would fall into verse 6? Anybody else, anybody else wondering about that? Anybody else have that question? It's a good question. Another question might be, what does it mean to walk in the light? Is that a, is that a progressive thing? Is that a once I'm in, I'm in? Is that a, you know, I, I got I to stay in? Is, is, it a, is it a daily walk thing? Or is, it, is he just saying that, that once I'm in the light, I'm no longer in the darkness. I mean, can I bounce back and forth? Can the lights be turned off on me? Good questions. He assumes that there will be some questions. And in 8, 9, and 10, the remaining of this chapter, he's going to give a little bit of uh, some cautionary statements here because he's going to think ahead of us a little bit and know that some of us assume some things. And he's going to know who he's talking to. And he knows the error of the day. And he knows what, what's going on in the minds of some of these people who are sprinkling in error with truth. And so verse 8, 9, and 10, he, he's going to unpack a little bit uh, just to give some clarification. He says this, If we say that we have no sin, we are deceiving ourselves and the truth is not in us. So we're back to verse 6, right? The connection goes back to verse 6. We're liars once again. Now let me tell you, let, let me tell you a little more about who he was dealing with. What you would find is that when you would remove the humanity of Jesus, your humanity gets freed up to do whatever your humanity wants to do. And so you could dabble in this sin or that sin, this immorality or that immorality with your flesh because, listen, the reason they didn't like God in the flesh is because the flesh gets corrupted. How do they know that? Because their flesh gets corrupted. We live in a flesh, we live in a world where we tend to fall into darkness every now and then, right? And so they didn't. That, that's why they, in reverse, didn't like that God would be in it would enter into flesh because that would mean maybe he's entering into darkness. And so in a, in a, in a good way, in, in, in somewhat of a pure motive way, they didn't like putting God in the flesh. 
But what that tells us about them is, is that they understood that their flesh was corrupt. Now, here's how they justified this. What they would do is say that, okay, because Jesus wasn't in the flesh, we don't have to worry about that. And so now I don't have to feel guilty about what my flesh does because my flesh lives here on earth and it's human and it's apart from my spirit. There is no connection there. And so my flesh can essentially do whatever it wants to do here on this earth. And whether it lives in light or dark is of no consequence. It can be immoral if it wants to be because God wasn't in the flesh. I don't have to worry about what I do in the flesh. And so you had guys that John is now talking to who were doing whatever they wanted to do. And saying, well, that, that's nothing wrong with that. That's just my flesh. My spirit is lofty. My spirit is up here on top shelf. My spirit is high and lifted up and holy and righteous and all this good stuff, right? So I, I can do whatever I want over here on earth with my flesh. And when someone would come and say, you can't do that. that that's not godly. That's sin. What would be their answer? That's not, that's not sin. No, I'm not sinning. So what would John say? He would say, verse 8, if we say that we have no sin, we are deceiving ourselves and the truth is not in us. But, verse 9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. It could be that there would be some who hear these verses, some of you who hear these verses and you start to really worry because you know that sometimes uh, you're not... You're not fully in the light. Um, and, and, you're, and you're wondering to yourself, uh, if, if God were to return right now, what side of the tightrope are you falling on? I mean, you feel like, some of you, if we're honest, you feel like you're walking this, this razor's edge line of light and darkness. And it depends on what day God catches you on as to whether he'll be pleased with you or not. And some of you, at just the reading of these words, you automatically feel the condemnation coming upon you that there is no way that you could be worthy of God's love and forgiveness. John would say to you, verse 9, at the mere confession of our sins, what does confession mean? It means that we agree with God that sin is sin. Instead of saying what the previous verse says, that's not sin, we say, yeah, Lord, that's sin. At the mere confession of our sin, God meets us. And what does He bring? In His faithful and righteous way, He brings forgiveness for our sins and He cleanses us from all unrighteousness. Now, to be fair, you should be asking, like, well, how does that work? Did it work all at the beginning, a little bit at a time? Is it a, prog- is it a consistent thing? Like, what if, I, what if I haven't confessed that one thing yet that I did just this morning, you know, on the way here in the car yelling at the wife and kids? I mean, I... I I haven't, I haven't gotten there yet. I haven't had time to, to deal with that one yet. What, I mean, what about that? Good questions. I hope that as you read Scripture, you're, you're asking yourself these questions and you're, and you're asking yourself even the difficult questions. Uh, sermon within the sermon right here. As you're reading your Bible, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid to say, God, I don't, I don't get that. Don't be afraid to say, God, I, I, I'm, not really, I'm not really tracking with you there. Holy Spirit, I need some help here because what I think I'm hearing you say doesn't sound, doesn't sound like who I think you are or who I, who I think I know you to be. From everything else I know in Scripture, this doesn't seem to fit. Those are good things to wrestle with. Verse 10. If we say that we have not sinned, 
we make him a liar and his word is not in us. I think you see where John is going here. I think you see how he is now coming down off the mountain of eternal becoming flesh and he's starting to he's starting to spread the table so that everyone can see all the parts of his argument and and just how he's going to serve it all up to us so that we can understand. How do we know that we are in Christ? How do we know that he loves us and how do we know that that we are in light and not in darkness? Uh, you're going to see in chapter 2 that Christ is our advocate. You're going to see how we're not to love the world. You're going to see that we get a promise of eternal life, that we're children of God and we're to love one another. He's going to talk about, he's going to talk about testing the spirits of, of the truth and the lies that come towards us and how do we discern what's right and what's not. We're going we're to hear him talk at, at great length about how God is love because this topic can bring great fear even to those who are in Christ. Satan would use it to bring into our own hearts and minds doubt and lack of confidence. He would take some of these things and and start pointing back to us for our own confidence, saying, look at this darkness, look at this darkness. No, don't you remember this darkness? So he's going to talk to us not only about the God of light, but the God who is love and finally overcoming the world. And so he's going to continue to, to unpack this argument. Let me, uh, let me tell you where, where I am. Uh, I've shared you, with you this before, but a long time ago as I was preparing to go into the ministry, somebody gave me, my pastor growing up, gave me a tape, a guy named John MacArthur. He was teaching at a pastor's conference, and it was a question and answer with pastors. And, and one of the questions was, Dr. MacArthur, how do you prepare for sermons? And he said, I always go to the Scripture looking for what God would teach me and then from there, I feel like I'll have plenty to say. And his word of caution to them was, never go to the Bible looking for what you will teach your congregation. Like, don't, don't go in here saying, what, what does Ricky need? <laughs> what, 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 does, what, what does Jeff need? Yeah. That, that's, not my, that's not my primary job. My primary job is to go into here saying, God, I know I need so that's kind of been a guidepost for me. And, and that, that, uh, that recommendation came back to mind. Uh, obviously, with what all is going on with me, I, I approach the Scriptures very hungry right now. And um, in an effort to be transparent and help you learn even from me, I just want to tell you, I, I got stuck. I got stuck in verse 5 with John's words that God is light and in him there's no darkness. <laughs> and um, if I were to best describe where I feel I am right now, I feel like I'm in this cloud, this dark cloud of sadness. And I can't, I can't find the light. Right? And so I'm, I'm stuck here in verse 5 and um, I'm struggling all morning to say, how in the world am I going get, to get to unpack the rest of this paragraph even because lord i i can't i can't find my way out of this dark this dark cloud right now um i don't say that to uh i don't say that to overly concern you i don't say that to bring doubt to you i hope it brings some level of encouragement to you I think where I, I think where I am is I'm I'm in that I'm in that right place of mourning, 
that is um, that is a hard to say with in this in this uh, in from this passage, but maybe it's a it's a good place of of darkness. Maybe maybe the rain is appropriate. Maybe the clouds are appropriate. Um, last week, uh, I used the analogy, the silly analogy that I, uh, getting back up here for the first time, kind of felt like Maverick after he lost Goose in Top Gun. And uh, what everyone was saying was, "Hey, you got to you got to get back up in the air. You got to get back in the cockpit. You got to you got to get get in the seat." And and my heart has been has felt like I need to be here. I need to I needed to do this. I needed to do last week. Uh, I, I really want to I really want to teach you First John and and continue on in this. Um, but what I what I'm realizing even this morning is that um, man I'm having a really hard time. Uh, engage in the fight, and um, um, and so uh, you know, I, I got a, I got a lot of good, uh, got a lot of good encouraging texts and emails from you last week that you were grateful that I was here last week and that I was able to share with you so soon and uh, thank you, thanking me for doing that and it was an encouragement to you, et cetera. And, and, but I'm trying to be wise at the same time, right? And, and this is, a, this is um, you know, I'm walking this thing out just day by day. And, um, you know, all I, all, I really can, all I really can tell you is that in that cloud of darkness that I just feel like I'm in right now, and I don't, you know, I don't see that necessarily as a wrong place to be, but... Um, you know, I, I'm, I'm not sleeping very well. All I do is cry. Uh, and um, I, I haven't really had a whole lot of time just to sit with the Lord on this thing. So um, I'm, I'm kind, of, kind of lacking, I feel. I'm, la- I'm just lacking for, uh, for you. And so, you know, this morning I'm just thinking to myself that... Um, as much as I want to just continue on and, and, and jump into to John, I, I need to I need to just sit a little bit and I need to hear I need to I need to get some other guys in here to sit here and let me sit there and just I need to sit where you are for a couple weeks and uh, I want to be here and I just um, like I could push through this and and kind of like I pushed through the first ten minutes of this, uh, but I wanted to do that so that I could say that I got stuck in verse five. Um, but uh, I, I kind of feel like what's what's more important right now is that it's not fair to you for me to just be up here sad because <laughs> that's just where I'm at. Um, and you might say, "Oh, that's okay, Pastor. You just you know you just keep walking that." But um, it's going to be pretty dull around here for a couple weeks if because I just don't have the I just don't have that it in me right now to uh, to give you the joy that the the verses that the God is light and there is no darkness in him uh, need to give you right now um, so um, I'm going to do that I'm going to I'm going to find some guys to uh, get up here for the next couple weeks and share with us with me and you and encourage us and they may continue in 1st John 
and they may uh, they may move to a different place, um, but but that's okay. All right. So why don't you pray with me? And Ricky, can we do uh, "You Are God Alone" again? Can we do that? Lord, you are God alone in the good times and the bad. And uh, you are on your throne. You've been there from before time began. And out of the darkness, I, I personally confess and cried just in pure faith that you are still on your throne. And... Um, You are still God alone. Most assuredly, Lord, I know that I am shakable and uh, I am uh, changeable. My spirit is fickle and it's weak. And my flesh is even worse. It's, it's all out broken and it doesn't work the way it ought to. It leads me into temptation and it takes me into uh, sin. And uh, Satan would have his way in all of this. And Lord, um, uh, I know well enough to, uh, to beg you not to let that happen. So Lord, we're going we're gonna to confess that you are God alone. Whether we feel it or not, you are. And Lord, I'm going to confess Psalm 16, a verse I quoted as I started this series just a few short weeks ago. Preserve me, O God, for in you I take refuge. I say to you, Lord, you are my God. I have no good apart from you. And as for the saints in the land, they are the excellent ones in whom is all my delight. Uh, It's good to be in your house, Lord. Better is one day here than a thousand elsewhere. Thank you for the saints that are my delight. And we uh, continue to seek you. even through the clouds. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening today. We hope this message was a blessing to you. To learn more about our church or our media ministry, you can visit us online at www.com dot corner dash stone dot org or find us on Facebook.